If you've been with us, you know that we are going through the book of Nehemiah, and that is what we were going to do uh, originally, but um, I scrapped all that, and we'll get back to Nehemiah this next week. So if you were, uh, if you're here for the first time, you should know that this today is going to be a little bit different. Um, the Lord called home somebody who was uh, important to us and was a big part of this place. So there's a lot of heavy hearts. Um, there's a lot of people who um, are trying to figure out how to minister to the family and to minister to each other. So today will be a little different. Um, I, I went home yesterday. Well, I've been working on it off and on since Tuesday and um, just decided that we were going to take some time and, and with the events of the Las Vegas thing and the events of Dan going home to be at the Lord, I thought, you know what, let's just stop a little bit and um, let's try to minister to us as a church. So that's what we're going to try to do today. Um, it, uh, it's, been a, it's been a hard week because as a church, we have tried to spend a lot of time up until now ministering to the Ronfalt family. And I cannot, I cannot say this enough. Uh, I could not be more proud of the way everybody pulled together from uh, people standing in a parking lot in the rain to help park cars to, uh, you got to realize that on, they finished the floor on Wednesday night and on Thursday it looked like a bomb had gone off uh, in this building. Um, and by 2 o'clock Thursday afternoon, everything was clean, set up, put away, and all ready for a funeral thing. And it was just, um, and the food, and just, just the way everybody pitched in to love and serve and help each other and work together. Um, I, I'll say this, the community noticed. And I think they saw Christ in us, and I think they saw the love of Christ in us, and so um, that was just overwhelming to, to, to watch and to be a part of, and so we spent this week trying to minister and continue to minister to, to Marcia and the family, and I want to take some time this morning to try to minister to each other, myself included. So I, I want to spend a little time talking about, normally you know how I preach, I, I take a passage and we go verse by verse by verse. I don't, I don't do a lot of topical messages where you kind of jump around in scripture, but I'm going to do that this morning. I'm going to, I'm going to pull out some verses and, and talk about some principles to help us um, as we go forward. And I, I hope to help you as you start to, to work forward with this. Um, let me say this, because I know some of you are concerned about me, personally, and I appreciate your prayers. Um, I appreciate your uh, concern for me. Um, I, I have a plan. Um, I know how I'm going to decompress. I know how I'm going to start to work through um, the loss for me personally and my family as well. So, um, you know, I appreciate your prayers, but... Um, you should know that, you know, and, and I'm going to share with you a little bit of that this morning, too. So, um, 
couple of principles, and I preached this, we actually preached this series like uh, 2010, something like that, or no, 2000, 2000 uh, well, it, it was a long time ago. <laughs> you don't remember it. So um, I can dig it up, and, and I kind of went through it with some ideas of, of this, this week in mind. So l- let me share with you some principles about loss, and, and, and in context, yes, we're talking about loss of a person, but these principles apply to loss, period. There are people here who you've lost a job, or you've lost a loved one, or you've lost a marriage and, and you're struggling with divorce, or you've lost a career, or you've lost, you know, you've lost something that was a big part of your life. Um, these principles apply across the board for those. So, so I'm hoping to give you some tools to help you as you go forward from this day and to kind of understand what we need to do for each other, okay? So here's the first principle. The first principle is this. When you deal with the loss, you have to be honest about your grief, okay? See, we're kind of in this plastic, superficial, Facebook, I've got to look good world. And so a lot of times, you know, how you doing? Oh, I'm okay, when the reality of it is you're not. And sometimes when we deal with loss, we, we're not honest with each other. We're not honest with how we feel or how we, how we work about it. And, and when you deal with loss and anger and fear and all the things that come with that, it, it, it's, it's like an emotional dynamite. It's, it, it's, a ti- it's, a, it's kind of a ticking time bomb. At some point, it's going to go off if you don't deal with it. At some point, you have to figure out a way to process it to go forward. Um, you know, I, I use the term... Um, the term I use a lot is the, is the idea of closure, but it's not closure. It's, it's really getting past being stuck, I think might be a better way to say it. Because what happens is when we get the loss, it's easy to get stuck. And it's easy to get s- stopped right there. And I understand that in loss, there's a, there's a time element involved. But sometimes you get stuck for long periods of time, and that becomes unhealthy. So I, I think you have to be honest I think it's important that you're honest about your grief. Um, this is something that I learned, and actually I learned it, I learned it from the Ron Felt family. I learned it when Mindy passed away. Um, I found myself stuck. I found myself where I couldn't get past the idea of, a, of, 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 of burying an 18-year-old girl on Christmas Eve. And I just found myself stuck. And I was 30-some-odd years old. I had never buried a teenager. I had we were a small church, like 40 to 60 people, and it was hard. It was so hard. And I found myself stuck. And so for me, I found a way to, uh, do, I, I, to do something that helped me get past it. And since then, I've learned that it's important that I, as a pastor, do that. Um, I have a unique deal in that um, a funeral is not a time for me to grieve. Uh, a funeral doesn't help me personally because I'm the guy that has to try to help everybody through the funeral. So I've learned that it's really important for me to do something or to have some way to not get to get past being stuck, some way to personally grieve. And when I went home yesterday from the funeral, I sat down with my wife, and I said, well, you just sit down. I've been sitting long enough. Um, 
But I told my wife, I said, here's my plan. I said, here's what I'm going to do. I said, this is how I'm going to work through this. Um, because I know she was concerned about it, and kids are concerned about it. It's one of those things where people needed to know, okay, look, I've got, it, I've, got, I, I, I've got a path in front of me to go. Okay? And, and, and that's really, really important. Um, Jesus said it this way, and it's in Matthew chapter 5. It's in the Beatitudes, and I, I'm going to read it two different ways, so I want you to think about it. Um, hey, um, uh, prom people. Um, hey, Payton. Yeah, next one. Yeah, there we go. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to knock it because very few teenagers would show up on a Sunday morning after a late night. So I'm good with this, okay, if I have to keep priding them all day, okay. Uh, Blessed are those who mourn, for they should be comforted. Let me, let me read this a little differently. Um, if you don't mourn, you won't find comfort. We don't think of it in those terms. But if you don't mourn, if you don't grieve, if you don't work through the grief process, you're not going to find comfort. And, and, and that's an important principle. You know, and, and let me just talk to guys. Guys, listen. Uh, real men cry. Real men show emotion. Okay? Um, I'm not saying you have to do it publicly. I'm not saying you have to, you know. But, but the idea of, unfortunately, some of you were brought up in cultures in which your dad or whoever taught you that men don't cry. And can I be honest with you? It, it kind of cripples you a little bit. Um, because you don't have a way to process that. And, and for some people, I mean, I'll, you know, I, I, have, I have cried over this past week. Uh, I don't cry a lot. Um, but I have. You know, because I understand that you have to grieve and you have to mourn in order to find comfort. You have to be honest about your grief and your loss, whatever it is. And I think sometimes we like to put up these way, these barriers and these walls, and, 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 and it hurts us. It, it hurts us in the long haul. And I'm not saying, again, there's certain, you know, I, there's relationships I have with people here, and, and I know... I know them enough to know what to say and what not to say. And in some cases, I just walked up and put my arm around them or patted them on the back and just looked at them and shook my head. And there's other situations that I've talked to people. It's just one of those things of if you're going to find comfort, you have to be honest about grief. Okay. Second thing is this, and this is the hard thing. This is the thing that a lot of us shut down with, and that's this. Don't handle it alone. See, we're in this world where we take great pride in being self-sufficient. I don't need anybody. Listen to Galatians chapter 6. Here's what he says. This is Paul saying this, and here's what he said. Uh, next one, guys. Yeah. All right. There we go. I'll just keep doing that. I'll help you guys do it. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, this is a really interesting book in Galatians. Because Paul also says, bear your own burdens. And it's like, okay, I don't get this, Paul. Why are you telling me on one hand to bear my own burdens, and on the other hand you're telling me to bear one another's burdens? Which is it? And it's both. When you go back to the original language, here's what it means. 
bear your own burdens is a word that means there's normal, everyday stuff that comes into life. Handle it yourself. Okay, look, we all get tired because we work a lot of hours. Get over it. We all struggle financially. Get over it. We all have issues where we may end up with nitpicking back and forth with our spouse. That's normal stuff. Oh, we just, we're so in love. We never fight. Yeah, right. How long have you been married? Like three days? Um, you know, um, I mean, get real here. Uh, I actually had a couple tell me that. Oh, we're fine. We don't ever fight. I'm like, oh, I'll give you, what, 24 hours, 48? Uh, it wasn't long. Uh, but I mean, really, there's everyday stuff that you and I have to deal with on our own. That's what you mean. You bear your own stuff. But in this passage, this word is stuff that's out of the norm. Stuff that's an extraordinary burden that's not normal for people to handle. When you have the loss of somebody who's close to you, that's, that's yes, loss is coming, but that's, that adds a whole element to your life that is overwhelming. And what's important during those times is that we come alongside each other to help carry that burden. But here's what most people do. Most people put up walls. And so they start to put up walls because here's the thing. The pain is real, and the pain is deep. And the only way that they know to deal with the pain is to shut everybody out. When the reality of it is you need people. Now, unfortunately, some people help and some people don't. So learn the people that can help you and, and allow them to get close in. A lot of people have great intentions, but they say really stupid things. And, and it doesn't help. Um, because most of the time, honestly, you know what it is? It's they've, they have not experienced loss. They have not gone through it. They don't have a reference point, And they don't know what to say, and they feel like they ought to say something. So, you know, just, you know, I've learned to just kind of, thank you, yes, uh-huh. Okay, go on. That person in their hand gets me. And so I want to spend a little more time with that person. I want to let that person in. Um, it's, it's important that we learn to carry. I, I, I told Marcia that this week. I said, look, Marcia, you know, there's stuff that we can carry for you. Let us carry it. The other stuff you're going to have to figure out on your own. You, you and God are going to have to work through that stuff. But there's other stuff we can carry for you. And, and, and we want to. So let us. You know? Let us. And of course, if you know Marcia, she's just like Dan. Well, I'm so worried about so and so. I'm so worried about this person and that person. And it's like, time out. Let's just focus on you, your family right now. You know? Because, you know, they were always worried about everybody else, you know? And um, that's why we loved them like we do. Um, but I, I just want to challenge you to the idea of you've <coughs> you got to let people in. Um, personally, in my world, I, I'm selective about who I let in because there are people who I can be very candid and honest with, and those are the people that help me. 
because you know other people you know they tend to take what I say wrong and and and, and, and so it's just second the third idea is this um, oh, I want to say this too hang on I got to say this too one of the things and you've seen it this week one of the reasons that I I encourage you on a regular basis to be at church is because you develop relationships here so that when you go through something there are people here who know how to best minister to you one of the hardest things for a church is when we have somebody who's here like once every six months or once every nine months or once a year and then they go through a crisis and we as a church try to come alongside but here's the thing we don't know them enough to know how to minister to them Whereas you take a situation like this where Dan and Marcia have been so involved in everything here, we kind of know what to say and what not to say and how to help and how not to help and what's more helpful and what's more, because we have that relationship. It's why we do what we do. It's why we're having potluck next week. So that you get to talk about stuff other than just sit in a pew and say hi and hug and leave. Um. It's, it's, it, it's why we built, it's why we made the decision to build that building ourselves rather than hire it done. And anybody who's been a part of that will tell you the cookies and the donuts and the coffee and the sitting around the table was 10 times more valuable than any piece of wood, steel, or screw that's been put in out there. And I look back on this past year and look at how fortunate some of us were to be able to work side by side um, with Dan, to watch Dan and Marcia hugging and poking each other, or lunch and all that other stuff. <laughs> you know, we were fortunate to get to get to see that kind of stuff. Um, that's why we build relationships, um, because we know that at some point we're all going to go through something where we need somebody else. Third idea is this. One of the things anytime you deal with loss is the pull towards bitterness. Um, listen to Hebrews chapter 12. Um, <laughs> oh, we changed guys. Is that you guys are going to tag team it now? Great. That'll help. Awesome. Okay, you wake him up for the next one then? Good. Looking carefully. Lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and many, by this many, become defiled. One of the things that you will learn in life is that Satan always tries to pull you towards bitterness. There's always that pull for you to go, it wasn't fair, it should have been different. Um, there's always that pull to drag you down to the, I, I call it the dark side. Um, of a situation. And, it, and, and, and I understand that it's, I, I understand the pull, believe me. I, ha I have a lot of friends who started out well in ministry, but in all honesty, they got bitter because a church treated them wrong or a church did something to them, and, 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 and they got angry. They got angry at God, they got angry at church, they got angry at Christianity, and, and, and they're not preaching anymore. I've watched it happen with a lot of Christians over the years. I've watched people in seasons of loss go there. And I'm not, I'm not, listen, I am not going to 
get hard on them for going there. I understand the pull. But I also understand that the irony is bitterness is the one thing that will destroy you first. And then it will destroy everyone around you, including those you love. And what the danger of bitterness is this. First of all, it destroys you. And you go, I'm just going to keep it with these people. This is the only little group. But what you don't realize is then your bitterness starts to get to them, and they start to go away. And in the end, you find yourself absolutely alone because none of us like to be around somebody who's bitter. And that's what, that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He's saying, look, bitterness will destroy you. It'll eat away at your soul, and then it'll start to affect the soul of everyone around you. And he said, be careful, because it, it is so, so destructive. And Satan often will pull you that way. Well, God, I don't understand. Why? You should have done it this way, God. You can't. It is such an easy pull. And, and, and we're warned. We're saying, listen, be careful. Be careful. And it's easy sometimes when we deal with something like this to go, I'm going to get bitter. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let, I'm, it's going to draw me away from God. You say, well, how do you handle the, 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 the bitterness? Here, here's what I've observed, and, and here's what I've read, and here's what I've learned, and here's what I've kind of put together from life. Is, 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 rather than look at bitter people, because I can, I can identify a bitter person in a heartbeat. You don't have to talk long with a bitter person to figure out they're bitter. But I've observed people who've gone through difficulty and not been bitter. And, and there's some things that you notice about them. And here, here's one of the things that, I, that you see is that they have learned to accept the circumstance or situation or loss. I didn't say they liked it. I said they've learned to accept it. You see this in the Old Testament in the life of David. When, when David's son is sick, because, and by the way, David's son is sick because of David's sin. And David's son is sick. David's a basket case. And I don't mean just like a little basket case. I mean like a full-blown suicidal basket case. Um, he's not eating. He's not sleeping. He's pouring his heart out to God. The, the people who are close to David are so afraid to tell David. When his son dies, they're so afraid to come to David and even tell him because they think at that moment David will take his life. They said, if this is the way he is when he's sick and we go and tell him he's dead, it's over. So they could not even, they were afraid to even tell him that his son had died. And it's interesting, David looks over at them and recognizes something's wrong. And David asked them, is my son alive? And they said, no. And then it's the craziest story in the world. David gets up, washes himself, looks at him and says, go give me something to eat. And they're like, okay. They, they ask you, they say, time out, David. Before you were a basket case, he's dead, and now you're okay. Well, help us put it all together. And David says, 
When my son was sick, there was a chance. But now he's gone. He's never going to come back to me, but I will go to him. David said, I accept the fact that I cannot change. And that's the other thing. There's some things I can't change. So there's no reason to get bitter over it because it's something that I can't change. It's not, it's there, and, and, and that is so important for us to understand. I, I'm not saying, you know, you get, you get happy about what happened, but you learn to say, you know what, I can't do anything about this. So I have to accept it to go forward. Some of you have a really hard time. That's why you've been stuck as long as you have. Because you've had something that you have just never been able to accept. Um, some of you lose sleep over stuff that, here's the bottom line, you can't change it. And yet you allow it to consume your life. And what happens when we do that is, again, it starts to eat away at our soul. And that's why it, it, it's so important that you guard yourself against the bitterness. Another I thing that I think I see with people who are able to move past or, or not get bitter is they focus on what they've got, not what they've lost. Um, I'm not saying that you don't acknowledge the loss. I mean, when we lost Doug two years ago, um, I ended up Putting a sting, making a stained glass window for my office. I go in every day and I'm reminded of my loss. I'm okay with that. But I don't focus on my loss. Um, I focus on the fact that to me that represents, to me that window that's in my office doesn't represent what I lost, but it represented what I had for 20 some odd years. When I look at, at this past week and in, in, in Dan going home, um, I, I lost a lot. Just like the family, they lost a lot. As a church, we lost a lot. As a board, we lost a lot. But instead, one of the things that I've tried to do this week is focus on what I had. I had a guy who, we joked about this last yesterday before we left here. <laughs> I had a guy who stuck by me when really no one, he should not have stuck by me. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Um, I had a guy who looked past my, I don't know how to say this. Um, I know how to say it. I had a guy who looked past my legalism and saw my heart. And um, believe me, if you understood the level of my legalism, you would understand what a powerful statement that is. Okay? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll just keep it with us. But, um, you know, I, it's one of those things where um, I value that. I treasure that. Um, I focus on the fact that we got to work side by side. I get to focus on the fact that we sat in meeting that, that he sat in board meetings for 26 years making decisions, easy decisions, hard decisions, tough decisions. I focused on the fact that we got to work. You know, I mean, I, I saw him Friday. I saw him Saturday. I, you know, I, 
I focus on how much I was given and what a joy I had. It's easy to focus on what we lost, but I, I challenge you that one of the things in loss is to focus on what, what you have been given. And, and like I say, I look back on, on, on my relationship with Doug and I focus on, uh, do I wish he was still around? Yeah. But he's not. Do I continue to remember him every day? Yep, I do. Will I continue to remember him? Yep. Every time I pull in the parking lot? Yep. Every time I walk by the landscaping, I'm going to think about all the discussions we had about the landscaping and how I thought he should have had a better plan. But he got it all done just like I would have done it anyway, but he just didn't plan it out that way. Um, and I walk by it and I look at um, One of these days, the pile will be gone of rocks. But... Um, you know, I look at the fact that, you know, Dan said, well, they weren't supposed to put it there. Um, you know, I, all kinds of things. But you know what? If I don't focus on what I had, it's easy to focus on what I lost and get bitter. Um, another principle is Luke chapter 12. Here's what it says. Um, uh, yeah, switch, guys. <laughs> and he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. A lot of you had a lot of plans, like me, for this past week. When you heard that Dan had passed away, let me ask you something. How many of them mattered? See, you got this day. That's it. Everything beyond this is another gift. We tend to have this gift so often that we just assume that we're going to get another one. We tend to just presume that we get another day or another week or another year or another this or another that or retirement or that and that. And we don't realize how fragile this thing called life is. Every time your heart beats, that's a gift. Every time your lungs breathe, that's a gift. And, 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 and what, what, what he's saying right there, what Jesus is saying is, look, pay attention to the things that matter. And stuff, look, right or wrong, half of us, we got more stuff than we need. And we're working harder to get more stuff that we don't need. You know? And it's tough. But all of a sudden this week, nobody cared about stuff. And we focused on relationships, and we focused on caring for one another, and loving one another. And, and, and we're fortunate because I think we have that as this church, that we do that pretty well on a regular basis. But I just want to challenge you, because it's so easy to get pulled into this culture in America that just makes it about stuff that really doesn't matter. And you know, if, if you're here this morning and you're married, it matters. It matters. If you're here today and you've got a job, you know what? The job's an opportunity to share Christ with people, to minister to people. If you've got breath today, it's an opportunity to encourage and help and minister somebody. 
the day is not about you. It's not about me. It's about people that we can have an impact on that day. That's why we were given that day. And yet so many times we just make it all about us. And, 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 and funerals, death, loss, it's a reminder of that. You know, and I, again, I'm, there's a couple of us that we just have a really hard time with this whole hugging thing. But I've hugged a lot of people this week. Um, because it has a way of saying things that words cannot. You know, there's a couple of us that we really, really, really don't hug. And we actually hugged this week because we both, we all knew how awkward it felt but we knew what it meant. Um, loss kind of brings things into perspective. And um, today's a gift. Don't know if you'll have tomorrow. Don't know if I'll have tomorrow. Um, you should know. If I don't have tomorrow, I'm good with that. Okay? Uh, I'm ready. Um, I, I'm okay with that. The other thing is this, and, and this is the big thing, and I know we've, a lot of us have done that. Oh, I know, yeah. I, I don't blame you. I do not blame you at all. Um, <laughs> if I could crawl out of here today, I would. Uh, <clears throat> here's the last thing, and, and this is probably one of the most abused verses I think we have in our culture, so I just, I hate to even put it up here, but <sighs> Philippians 4, here's what it says. Uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, for some reason in our culture, we think that what this means is that a football team can run through Philippians 4.13, put on a big thing, and God's going to give them victory on the football field. Paul's in prison talking about how tough life is and how hard things have been, and yet his focus is on Christ, and Christ giving him the strength, and he's learning to be content in situations that you and I can't even imagine. And he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In times of loss, in times of grief, in times of difficulty, in times of hardship, turn towards the Lord. Um, people have asked me, you know, and people have made the comment, you know, I, I don't know how you're able to do what you're able to do um, in doing a funeral for, for some, you know, for somebody who that, who's that close to you. Um, there's only one way. And that's Christ has to do it through you. Because um, believe me, if I could have bailed, if there's anybody in line who said they wanted the job this week, it was theirs. Okay? Um, but I know that I had a lot of people praying for me, and I knew that God could give me to do this, God could give me the strength to do what I needed to do. And He will do the same for you. He will give you the strength to get through. Loss, difficult hardship, and, and he will do it. You know, and everybody goes, yeah, he does that. You know, he can do that day by day. 
let me tell you something. Day by day was a big item this week. I needed that minute by minute, not day by day. I needed the Lord to help me for this minute to get to the next minute, to get to the next minute. I needed Christ's strength and power to do that. And, and, and sometimes you find situations in life where that's what you need. And you have to say, Lord, I just, you know, can you get me to this point? And then we'll figure out the next point. And, and it is only through Christ that you get to do that. It is only through Christ that you get to do that. An acid test of your faith comes when difficulty comes. If your life's good right now, it's easy to come to church. And it's easy to be here. But when our faith is tested, and it will be, those are the times that situations and passages like this come deep ingrained in our hearts. Loss is hard. There's no, there's no easy way around it. It's part of life. It's a common thing that we deal with. Allow it to turn you to God. I close this way as you leave. Stop and ask yourself, what are you valuing today? That's really important. Be honest about your grief. Might be recent. It might be years old. It might be decades old. Allow others to help. And when you are pulled in the direction of bitterness, and you will be, make sure that you turn closer to God and not farther away. And um, allow your experience to make you better instead of bitter. Let's pray. Lord, we are all in the middle of this process, some at different levels than others. Lord, we've all experienced loss and we'll all continue to experience loss. Father, we all are going to be tempted towards turning away, getting angry, um, Lord, all of the things that come with loss. Lord, would you help us to not get stuck? Would you help us as we watch for one another and we see some who are having a hard time that, Lord, we come alongside? Lord, for us as a church, Lord, we have a community that's watching. And Lord, you have given us an opportunity where they can see our love for one another and see you. And Lord, may we be like the disciples where they could not argue their love for one another. And would you help us, Lord, to care and continue to minister and to love and to wrap our arms around each other. And in the days ahead, Lord, as we try to live in a very different world, would you help us, Lord, to um, live in such a way that uh, we have no regrets, that we leave behind a legacy that says we loved you with all of our heart and people can see Christ 
in us. These things we ask in your name. Amen.